Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. new series today. I'm excited about it. It's called When God Shakes My World. When God Shakes My World. Uh, so don't, don't be too intimidated by that. We'll, uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming in this uh, three-part message series. Don't miss it. Great, great stuff God has given us in His Word. Um, so I was in California in the 90s, and it was early one morning when an earthquake occurred, and uh, I jumped out of bed. My feet hit the floor, and I literally couldn't move. I will never forget that experience. It was weird, but things were falling off of shelves. Pictures were coming off the walls. And I'm not going to lie, it was frightening. As a matter of fact, I can go back there in my mind and, and feel what that, what that moment was like. Uh, so different. But today I want to I talk about uh, this in a natural sense, in a spiritual sense. The Bible calls these natural earthquakes signs of the end times. In Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the signs of your second coming. So Matthew 24, 7 says this, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Oh, great. Thank you, Jesus, for saying that. So Jesus goes on to list other signs. There's going to be widespread hatred, deception from false leaders, Christians will be mocked and persecuted for what they believe, and the love of many will grow cold. Sounds like the day we live in. But don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. These things must happen before Jesus returns. And he says this in the previous verse in Matthew 24, 6. And you'll hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Say, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, he said, but the end won't follow immediately. There's no doubt that the world has experienced the rising of wars and earthquakes, famines, pandemics, hatred, persecution, right, since Jesus spoke this truth over 2,000 years ago. But again, don't panic. For the follower of Jesus, these are actually exciting times, not only are these signs of encouragement about the future home in eternity, but they are also signs of a soon-coming revival. See, I believe we're heading into a great awakening, a next revival, a new revival. But what happens before a great awakening is a great shaking. A great shaking. And I'll explain that. The prophet Haggai refers to this shaking in Haggai 2, 6-9. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I'll shake all the nations, all the nations, by the way, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought into this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He has spoken, right? At first glance, this seems like a dark and doomy few verses, like a great war is about to happen. 
Haggai says, the Lord of heaven's armies quite a few times, which we know there's going to be war. So yes, there's a war coming. But it is a war literally against the kingdom of darkness. Did you hear that? It's a war against the kingdom of darkness. I always think about the church and, and why, why the church uh, seems to sometimes have the wrong perspective about, about darkness, the kingdom of darkness. We automatically think that, that we're, 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 we're trying to hold the doors back. We don't want the, we don't want the devil to come in when, when the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. In other words, there's gates there's gates that, that, that the enemy's trying to keep closed against us. You guys hear that? Like we're the ones that are supposed to move forward into enemy territory and take what is rightfully God's. Do you hear that? Like that old song we used to sing, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. You, you hear that song? Maybe not. No. <laughs> well, you didn't grow up in the right church then. That was a, no. Uh, Listen, there's a war coming, but it's a war against darkness. Listen, to set God's people free. These verses are, are literally a reference to the overthrow of enemies who occupied the area and the broken temple in Israel at that time. God wanted to rebuild the temple, and the shaking would remove the things that hindered it from being rebuilt. And the ultimate result of this shaking would be the filling of God's temple on earth with his glory. By the way, this, what I'm telling you today is actually God's MO. It's his mode of operation. He takes little rumblings in our lives and he uses them for our good and his glory. He takes the difficult times we go through in life and he, he works them out for good. Right? So we see that through history and through life. It's what he does. Now, we are the temples of God. We're little churches. And I'd say this. God wants to shake things up in order to shake things out of these little temples. To shake out the things that oppose God. There we go. <laughs> That's why we need to be ready for the shaking but also excited, come on. Because I've noticed that over time, many have fallen asleep, even now dozing off regarding God. So that is why the shaking is critical. So let me just say this. Well, why would he shake us? Because he shakes us to wake us. When that quake hit in the 90s, I got up quick. No messing around. It woke me up. And I wasn't looking to find my pants, which normally I'm already, I'm already figuring out where they are if something happens, like a fire or something. I wasn't looking to find my pants. I didn't care this is, so it just, it, just, it just came so suddenly. You know, there's a lot of woke conversation going on these days. But what we need is to be woke to God. We, we, we need to wake up to God. Come on, right? Am I in church today? Here's the verse, Ephesians 5, 14. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ, his glory, will shine on you. God wakes us. God shakes us to wake us. And he shakes us to revive us. To make his church come alive. To restore us to our original mint condition. He's looking for his lost treasure, his sons and daughters. And by the way, his treasures will 
be brought back. Don't we all have family members right now that we're praying for? Man, I just wish they knew the love of God. I wish they knew the peace of God. I, I, I see them in a place where, man, I just, I just wish they knew the, even the little that I have, I wish they could experience the joy that God gives. Like, we, don't we all have them, right? We're praying for them. We want the best for them. These are, the, these are those who are coming back. Their, their prodigals will come home. The hurting, the trembling, the lost and confused, all of his people, his treasures, they are coming home. They've been away from God because the devil and the world tells them they are not loved by God. You hear that? They're away from God because the devil and the world tells them they're not loved by God. It's as simple as that. They believe the lie, but that's about to change. He shakes us to revive us, to restore us, and actually to restore us to something that's even better than before. Haggai 2.9, look at this. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. And in that place, I will bring peace. I grew up in a home with a lot of fighting. I grew up in a home with a lot of tension. Just, it was just there. So I'm like very, very super sensitive to like fighting. And if there's one thing that needs to change in the world, in communities, and especially in the house of God, is no more fighting. No more division. Come on. No more of that stuff. And what, what, what God is doing is he's bringing us to a place where that stuff isn't there anymore. And when that stuff isn't there in, 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 in the church, really it's, it's coming out of us, hello. We're the temples, we're the little churches of God. But he says, I want to bring peace into your homes, into your marriage, into the church. Into the, that's why I want to bring peace. But it's going to come with a shaking. I notice that when the prodigals come home, God isn't going to ground them. He's going to celebrate them. Isn't that interesting? When the prodigal son came home, he didn't get what he deserved Right? He, he, he took the inheritance and he lived this life that just, he just wasted it all. And when the father saw him, he said, oh, I love you. I'm going to celebrate you. See, I said a, couple, a few months ago when we were talking about this, I said, you know, in my, in my flesh, I probably would have grounded my kid two to three weeks. Then I'll talk to you. <laughs> right? Stay in your room. He didn't. That's how awesome God is. You're going to be surprised as people start coming into church, coming into your life, your sphere of influence. You're like, oh, my goodness. I, wow. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. See, it's God's favor. It's God's love. It's God's mercy that's bringing people back. See, we need a good God shake, and I'll show you why in this series. I'm a firm believer that destruction, death, sin, and this pandemic did not originate from God. God, let me say that. I'm a firm believer that destruction, death, sin, and this pandemic did not originate from God, John 10, 10. But God can certainly use it to get our attention. It can be a sign, a clue to what is happening in the world and in our hearts. And not only can God use it to get our attention, but God can use it to get us ready. Say, get us ready. The things we go through in life get us ready for future rumblings that bring the future revival. So today we celebrate Pentecost, the birth of the New Testament church. 
occurred around 2,000 years ago. Pentecost. See, that scares a lot of people, right? Oh, is this just a Pentecost church? Yeah, it is. Pentecost isn't a scary word. It just means 50. That didn't scare you, did it? 50. Did that scare you? No, no. 50. See, you're not running. That's all Pentecost was 50 days after, after Christ rose from the dead. 50 days. And then on the 50th day, God gave the gift of the Holy Spirit and the, and the church was changed, radically changed. Here it is. Uh, Jesus gives his life on the cross. He rises from the dead on the third day. Then he visits his followers for a few weeks and puts strength and courage back into them. It's so important. And then tells them to wait for an incredible gift. So they go to an upper room and pray. And one day, suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes and shakes that room and radically changes 120 disciples. And one of them, Peter, steps out, preaches a message about three minutes long, and 3,000 people get saved. That's the first God shake that I see. But then it happens again. One chapter later. Check this out. One chapter later, it happens again. But this time, the disciples are under attack. They're being threatened. Fear starts to creep in. Only one chapter later, the environment changed. You ever feel like that? Man, you're like, man, things are going great. People are getting saved. God's on the move. And all of a sudden, one chapter later, like, what just happened? Everything's coming against me. Am I the only one? That's actually a good place to be, and I'll explain it. Because when they were threatened, when they were surrounded with fear and surrounded by, by, by the enemy, I'll tell you one thing that we've been surrounded by, and I hate to keep talking about this for, for the last year and a half or so, is fear. There's been a major demonic stronghold of fear that's tried to grip as many people as he can. They've been threatened. It's been threatening us in so many different ways. But they decide to pray. Say pray. It's a good idea. Acts 4, 29, here we go. And now they pray. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Stay right there a minute. Go back to that. Usually when I find myself in trouble or I find myself being attacked, I want to go in my room. Get my pillow, cuddle up, get the covers and hide, right? Get in a cocoon. That's what I, but they don't. They're like, oh, no, no, no. We're going on the offense. We're actually going to pray for miracles, signs, and wonders, and boldness. I love that. That's the prayer that's being prayed by the church right now. Or, or, or he's calling the church to pray this prayer right now. Verse 31, after this prayer. The meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now check this out. Verse 32. All the believers whoo, what? Read it. Were united in heart and mind. Remember that Haggai verse? I'm going to come and shake things up, but I want to bring peace. Everybody's going to start getting along. Everyone's going to start truly loving each other. That's why the shaking is so important. Look at, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Oh, wow. <laughs> they weren't so tied to their stuff. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the re resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. 
There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Are you kidding me? Wow, we need a good God shaking. Come on. In our hearts, in our homes, in our city, in our community, our church. And I think that what we just read might be a prophetic sign to a second Pentecost that we're coming into. Again, the, 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 or third, whatever, the, the, the next revival, the glory of God, yes, the glory of God is what God wants to bring. Say glory of God. Now, it's a church word. Sing about it. We read about it. It's all over the Bible. It's a very important word, though. Hey, Haggai 2.7 says this. I will shake the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple and I will fill this place with glory. Say glory. Glory is translated this way. The splendor of God. The abundance of God. The honor of God. The respect for God. And the power of God displayed for all to see. Glory. You see, the shaking and the glory go hand in hand. Because the next great revival is about his glory. It's about his splendor. It's about the honor of God and the respect for God, the power of God displayed. So let me explain a few things. Let me explain the levels of God. I hope you can really hear this. Let, let this sink in because I think God has something very important to say to us today. There's three levels of God that I see. There's the anointing of God. Say anointing. You heard that before? The anointing of God. The anointing of God are the gifts of the Spirit. The anointing is for me and you. God gives us gifts to help each other, right? All those gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healings, of faith, encouragement, hospitality. These are all gifts. We call it the anointing. That's for me and that's for you. And then we have the presence of God. That's when we come into a service corporately and the presence of God fills this place. We get to experience things for us like peace and joy and healing and love and rest, times of refreshing. These are for us. The presence of God is also for us. But the glory of God is about him. Do you hear that? The glory of God is about him. I say the glory is the anointing and the presence on steroids. When the glory of God shows up, everything changes immediately. Gossip is gone, hatred is gone, selfishness is gone, pride is gone, striving for high position is gone, suspicion is gone. All that matters is God. Even physical infirmities will not matter when his glory comes. You might have an ache and a pain. You might be missing a limb. It's not going to matter when God shows up. It's not going to matter. When his glory comes, you will not, you, you will forget about uh, your man-made traditions, our man-made doctrines, our man-made opinions, our political views. People will see God. People will experience God. And people will be changed by God. Because for too long, the church has been more about us and less about God. But that's about to change. Man, I wish we could just tap into the spirit right now, what God is saying in this moment. The glory isn't something I can produce. It's someone I welcome. Come on. 
the, I can't produce the glory. It's just, I, it's someone I welcome and someone I surrender to. We just did it, right? That, that, that's the glory of God. See, I've noticed that when, by the way, as you're praying this week, I've been praying for, for weeks and weeks, the glory of God would show up in our lives. Feel free to make that part of your daily prayer for the church, for our church, for your family, that the glory of God would come. Because I've noticed that when the glory shows up, he shakes me up, and I shut up, and then I bow down. This is really important. That's a common effect when the glory of God has on people. See, when there's an anointing, there's a lot of clamor, right? It's good. It's all right. When there's a presence, we're rejoicing and, and all that stuff. But when the glory shows up, mm, excuse me, God, God's here. Just, oh, man. I got no words to express and say to you, Lord, you're here. And that is the glory of God. I've experienced the glory of God a few times. It's incredible. But also intimidating, but mixed with intense love. It's a loyal reverence for God mixed with the loving presence of God. Do you hear that? You got to have both. You got to have both, right? A loyal reverence and his loving presence. I might get scared for a moment, but I'm immediately comforted in that moment. It's different, but it's so good. I think of, I think of a man who was struggling in his marriage. He was about to lose everything. He made a lot of mistakes in his life. He, he was going through a rough time. And he asked Jesus to take over his life, but things really weren't changing for him. Jesus saved him. Jesus saved him. But there wasn't major change. So he's in his garage one night. He's in his garage. And all of a sudden, the glory of God falls on him. And he was radically changed. Got his marriage back, got his family back, got his job back because of the glory. That's why we have to pray for the glory of God to come. Here's a few instances in the New Testament when the glory of God showed up. Remember, the, the shaking and the glory go hand in hand, Luke 2, 9 through 10. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. There it is. Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. You'll see it, scared but comforted. And I love this one, Matthew 17, 1 through 7. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John. Remember Peter, strong, James and John, the sons of thunder. And led them high on a mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. That's the glory of God, by the way, described. Here we go. Peter, I'm going to read it like I think Peter, Peter talked. Oh, Lord, uh, it's wonderful to be here. Oh, man, it's great. Uh, what should I do? Should I, um, should I make three shelters? As memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Remember, those guys are dead. They're just, all of a sudden, they're alive. But even as we spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. 
The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground, and Jesus came and said, hey, it's all right, get up, don't be afraid. You see that? Do you see, do you see what the glory of God does when, it, when, when he comes? Reverence in his presence, reverence in his glory. Peter was mesmerized and flustered, and he didn't know what to say. The great thing about the glory of God, when he, when, when he comes, this glory changes everything. That's why we need to pray that. God shakes our will to display his glory. So if, if we pray for his glory, just, set, just to tell you ahead of time, we're actually praying for a shaking. A shaking of our personal world. So let me start this series, series by helping us get ready for a God shake. Let's get quake ready. Turn your neighbor and say, let's get quake ready. I don't want these things to take you by surprise. Jesus said, don't be surprised when these things come, right? It's all good. I learned a few things after experiencing my earthquake in the 90s in order to prepare myself physically and spiritually if that ever happens again. I've learned that when the quake hits, first thing you do is to drop down. Say drop down. That's the first thing you do when an earthquake hits. Actually, I found that I couldn't move anyways. I get out of my bed, and I, and I, I was stuck. So I just naturally went down to my hands and knees. That's next level drop down. The knees is great. But man, hands and knees. <laughs> Lord! You can do that now. You can do that any time of the day, except when you're driving. Get out of the car. <laughs> Get out of the car, and you can get down on your hands and knees. And you, well, I don't feel like it. That doesn't matter. <laughs> Just obedience. Lord, Lord, I need you. God, I need you. See, in the kingdom of God, that just means humble. Humble is always the first response and the last response regarding the kingdom of heaven. This might be the most, most important thing to do. And it's the one thing, please hear this, that most people miss. People are so distracted today. I feel like I'm, today I'm giving the best message I'll ever preach in my life. Except for next week, it's going to be better. But <laughs> yet, yet, people can listen and hear, but not hear. I pray that you hear. I, I know you're, you, but I believe you're hungry, by the way. I believe you wouldn't be here if you weren't hungry. So I, I, I know that you're hearing. But humble is what people miss. They simply leave it out or are afraid to do it. Humble pie has saved lives, marriages, families, careers. I'm not going to lie. Humble pie stings for a moment. Doesn't taste good. But the powerful results will last a lifetime. And without it, we just can't live the abundant life. But humble really isn't anything new. See, we all start humble and finish humble. We start with no teeth and very little hair and many times end the same way. Diapers when you're young and even diapers when you're old. There's no shame in that. No shame in that. Humble is a part of life. Yet it's the one thing we all try to avoid. But humble is how the church becomes a force in heaven and on earth. Humble. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 5, God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the earth. We got some land to take. If you're on the edge of your promised land, it's humble that's going to get you over across the Jordan. 
And when the quake hits, drop down. And when the quake hits, take cover. Say, take cover. Literally under a desk or table, under something that has strength, something that will not crumble under pressure. For us, we take cover under God. God is the safest place we can go when trouble comes. Psalm 46, 1 through 5. This is a, a, a great psalm. It's the, it says, the song of the descendants of Korah <clears throat> to be sung by soprano voices. I'm going to pull out my best Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind, and Fire. The reasons, no. Uh, God is our refuge and strength. <laughs> Always ready to help in time. Anyways, I'm singing it that way because, listen, there's a reason why I'm singing it that way. I think when they were singing this psalm in soprano voices, these bearded men, the sons of Korah, that they were literally crying out to God. And you know when you cry out to God, your voice gets, gets higher. God! I believe they were singing this in soprano voices because that's the only way that it needed to happen. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. Why is that psalm so important? The sons of Korah wrote this. The sons of Korah were worship leaders under David. David taught them. Why did this psalm mean so much? Because of what happened to their parents many years before. Their parents were swallowed up by an earthquake. They were. The kids watched their parents be swallowed up by an earthquake. You know why? Because the parents, the leaders at the time, the clan of Korah, came to Moses. This is, this is, this is as they were just, they, they, didn't, they didn't make the promise then because they complained. And they started complaining and complaining and kept complaining. And all of a sudden, they, they wanted something that God didn't, they weren't ready to have. And all of a sudden, they come to Moses one day. They say, Moses, we don't really like your leadership. We don't, we don't like you. We don't like what you do. We can do it better. That's what they said. We can do better. That's what they're saying to Moses, the God-ordained leader. And um, you know what Moses did? He got down to his knees and prayed. I love that. Because he knew this is trouble for them. Trouble for them. Um, and the thing I love about Moses is this. Moses came out of Egypt. When Moses was in Egypt, they taught him, to, they taught him how to know where he's going. In other words, they said, Moses, I'm going to show you the path of success Moses, you're going to go to the best schools. I'm going to show you all the business tricks. I'm going to show you leadership, Moses, and, and you'll be fine. You'll be set for life. And all of a sudden, Moses' life has radically changed. He finds himself in the backside of a desert, not knowing what to do or where to go. And my thought is this. Just listen, listen. Whenever you are around a leader that tells you they know where they're going and they have all the answers, step back for a moment. Because really, leaders 
lead without knowing where they're going. That's, that's faith, you guys. We're still to walk by faith. But listen, so in that moment, they said, Moses, we don't like it that you're not telling us where we're going. We're not telling us because Moses is trusting God. He goes, listen, I can't go unless God's presence goes with me. Like he was learning how to walk by faith. And, 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 and by the way, the, 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 the people had Egypt in them. And God said, but I got to get it out of you. You got so much Egypt, the world, the, the world's ways in you. And if I can't get it out, you, out of you, we're going to struggle. So they were struggling. So all of a sudden they start complaining and going after Moses. And I'm, listen, I'm not saying this because they're trying to scare anybody at all. But, but it's true. Like, like kids, honor your parents. Come on. Honor them so they live long, right? Honor your parents. Like just, it, you may not agree with them. My kids don't agree with me. They, they think everything I say is wrong. But, but, but the truth is, honor them, right? Just honor them. It's okay. It's okay for you to say, you know, just, just honor them, right? Honor your boss. Come on. Honor the people that God has placed. Honor, your, honor the, uh, our, our police officers, right? Honor them. Honor them. You guys, the Bible says he'll, you'll live long and prosper. That's not a Star Trek quote. That's, that's from the Bible. And now the kids remember that story, how their parents were gone in a moment. And now they say, I ain't making that same mistake. I'm going to cling to God. I'm going to cling to God. I'm going to follow Jesus. Praise God, they did. I love what Nahum wrote. We're almost done. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good. A strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. When the quake hits, take cover. And when the quake hits, stay away from falling objects. That's right. Stay away from bookcases and other furniture that can fall on you. Stay away from windows and light fixtures, certain pictures. Things that are not secure. Things that are fragile. Things that stand on their own strength. Stay away from anything that is built on shifting sand. People are built. People. If you got people as your, your foundation, you're in trouble. If you got stuff as your foundation, you're in trouble, right? If, if I'm putting anything else other than Christ as my foundation, I'm in trouble. Matthew 7, 24 through 25. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. In other words, don't cling to things. Stay away from falling out. Don't cling to those things. Don't hold tightly to stuff that's here today and gone tomorrow. Cling to the rock. And I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. One day, even strong Dwayne Johnson will bow down in the presence of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, LeBron James, everyone weak or strong, rich or poor, broken or blessed will fall to their knees at the coming of the King in His glory. So stay away from things that just might be propped up on their own. You guys get that? 
we're all human. We all fall for it. Come on, I have, right? Oh, I didn't realize I was putting my kids in that place where God, you know, come on, we, we've all been there. But we just say, you know, not, no more. Jesus, Jesus. I'm propping my whole life up on Jesus. I'm propping my whole life up on Jesus alone. And lastly, when the quake hits, stay inside. Say, stay inside. See, when the shake happens, you'll want to stay inside until it's safe to exit, right? That's just the truth. You don't want to get up and try to run through an earthquake or through because something's going to fall on you, could fall on you. In other words, I'll say it this way. Don't leave your peeps. Don't leave the church. Don't leave his presence. Don't leave the foundational things of God that got you here. I've seen it way too often. People walk away. They get bored. They get proud. They get distracted. And they get in trouble again. You guys hear that? It happens. But stay inside. But God has given us a gift of being together. Worshiping together. Serving together. Eating together, which is really good. I like that. Amen. Hebrews 10.25 says this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Here's what I've known, what I know about church. Being in the presence of God. Is that God's presence comes in a church. And I think you always got two types of people. One that heart is open and receives everything God has for it, and one who's maybe a little closed and can't receive it. God wants to bless everybody in his presence. And I think that, like, I'm, I'm speaking a prophetic message to everyone here and listening online. In other words, the glory of God hasn't shown up like it's going to come, show up, right? Hasn't. Oh, you'll know. You'll know because, because we can't, we can't do, you know, we can't do any more of this, you know, or we can't, you can't do, you know, again, I, I do this too. But we, all you can do is, go, oh man, the glory of God's here. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to get down on my knees. God, whatever you say, let my words be few. You're speaking from heaven. It's not a bad thing because what God is going to do, you're gonna, you don't want to miss next week and the week after that. I'm going to show you what God does when the shaking comes. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's freeing. Amen? So, I'm here to ask you to pray for the glory of God and to embrace the shaking of God in our lives. I wish I could tell you that life will be smooth sailing from here on out. I wish I could tell you that life will be fine and dandy. No, we'll have some trouble, we'll have some pressure, we'll have some persecution. We will experience some shaking, but be of good cheer, get excited, because the shaking, listen, is bringing his glory and his glory changes everything. See, his glory, his glory, God's glory will change your family, right? Immediately will change your heart, will change your marriage. Come on, can change, will change things immediately. That's why we pray for the glory of God. You guys okay with praying for the glory of God? Hey, listen, I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm praying for because I've never experienced the glory of God. Like, I better be careful what I'm praying for, right? But I, what I do see that, like, His glory is coming no matter what. We just got to be ready. His glory is good. 
He's bringing the treasures back home, the prodigals back home, healing us, restoring us, giving us freedom. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God. Lord, just a prophetic message, God, that prophetic means that I'm speaking it out and I believe you're coming. I believe we're heading into something great, God. And I believe the enemy's resisting. And I believe, God, that uh, he's trying to do the best he can to, to, to discourage people. But God, in Jesus' name, uh, something's gonna change because your glory's gonna come. Just pray with me to say, say Heavenly Father, <laughs> come with your glory. In my heart, in my home, my family, come with your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, woo. Well, thank you guys for showing up today. We love you guys. Have a great day. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.